those hands. Praise the Lord. Everybody. Can we bow our heads and pray? Father, I thank you and I honor you. I give you praise. Lord, there is none like you in all the earth. And Lord God, as I stand before you, thank you, God, for an opportunity to speak your word. Thank you for a chance, God, to be a conduit of your power. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. Give us a heart to receive. And then the courage, strength, and stamina to work, walk it out. In Jesus' name. And for your glory. Amen and amen. Come on, just turn to somebody and say, glad to see you. Oh, come on, y'all don't seem happy. Come on, turn to somebody else. Say, glad to see you. This is the day the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad. Your pastor, Bishop Grace, when we were back in the back, said, oh, we got a, a presentation before you get up. They pushed play on the video. I'm like, oh, that's me. And um, sitting there in that, that message, reminded of those truths about being the light. It's funny, Josh, since the last time I was here, I got one of those cars where the lights turn. <laughs> did you? Me too. And the first time it did it, I said, this is the craziest thing in the world. I, I turned the wheel and the whole side of the car lit up. I said, this is amazing. <laughs> I'd only read about this before, but this works for real. And it's funny because sometimes God will show you that something's possible that you don't have access to yet. Never mind. I'm already preaching. <laughs> I knew that there were features that I had not yet unlocked. And I had to speak that it was possible before I could see it in my life. Never mind. Last time I was here, I was driving a fairly nice car, but it was making all kinds of noises. Because I had taken the car that wasn't making no noises and given it to my daughter. And I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to drive. And somebody said, you can drive this. And it was okay, Josh and I were talking because he's the car nerd. And then even as I was getting close, see, I, let me, can I teach you guys something real quick? As I was getting close to buying a car, I didn't call Bishop Graves. I didn't call any of my other friends. You know who I text when I was about to buy a car? Josh. We were in a full text conference. What about this one? This year, don't do that one. Okay, what about this one? Because you have to know when God places someone in your life that has an expertise that can push you into your future and then not feel as if just because you're not as old as I am, maybe haven't seen as much life, your skill set in an area is enough for me to yield to your expertise. And when I finally made the decision, he texted me back, that's good, you did good. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it. I have a word for you guys on this eighth anniversary. And we know that eight is the number of new beginning, but when you celebrate an anniversary, you're actually at the end of that year. So you're actually going into your ninth year, your year of fruit. The last time I was here, I challenged us to believe. Say believe. And the media team asked if I had a title, and no, not really. Um, but I do want to make a deposit into this ministry. And I want to teach on the posture of persistence. Good to see you. I was looking for you. And you're here and I feel better. The posture of persistence. See, Bishop Graves, Rock Church, it is easy to say you want to do a thing until you actually have to do it. 
It's like people who fall in love with the wedding but don't want to actually do the work of marriage. Like you love the idea. And what they often love is they love the idea of all of the things that are going to go with the wedding except for the work. There's a lot of people who stand on the outside. I'm going to a text in a minute, but give me a runway a little bit. I won't be here long. It's 1054. Give me a second. There are a lot of people who stand on the outside of pastoring and churches and ministry or nonprofits or business or whatever you're doing, and they stand on the outside looking in, and they can actually make the mistake of thinking, I can do that better than you, or it don't look that hard until they do it. And they figure out that this is more work than I signed up for. See, standing before God's people takes more than charisma. Truth be told, uh, Bishop Graves, I have, I, I, I think I've frustrated some people when I have told them that charisma and anointing are not the same thing. You can be charismatic and not even know God. <laughs> you really can. And unfortunately, in, in, in this modern age, I think that we have elevated charisma while we have people who are really anointed, who we have relegated to positions away from the limelight. So standing before the people of the Lord demands an anointing. It demands that the hand of the Lord through the power of the Holy Ghost rest on your life. But persistence, listen to this, persistence is tested and demonstrated when adversity is prevalent. In other words, you can't tell me you persistent if you ain't been through nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Huh? Let's go back to my marriage example. You've been married 22 seconds, and you already about to do a marriage conference. I mean, I, I'm, I think I'm about to teach couples. You ain't, you ain't even argued over whether or not you want chicken or beef. You ain't been through nothing. Then you're about to do a marriage conference, and this is just like, the, 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 the preacher, the first time he feel a little quickening in his prayer, all of a sudden he's international. He got business cards and everything. See, I really don't know how serious you are until the storm comes. The last time, you know, we had um, some storm damage in my house. And the storm damage, watch this, sometimes you don't know that a storm has damaged you until you see the damage. When you see it is not necessarily when it happened. Okay. I'm going to a text. Trust me. We're going to come around the mountain. See, so by the time I saw the hole in my ceiling, I don't even remember what rain did that because it had to soak through everything I could see. And so here it is. I had this storm damage. It came through. I had a hole in my ceiling about the size of a basketball. And, and, and I couldn't just patch that. Because, watch this, the hole in my ceiling was not what the storm damaged. It damaged the roof. So I had to call someone to fix my roof. Watch. So after many people came to get the roof uh, fixed, finally I got somebody who came up. He said, I... I'm going to have to fix a whole section of your roof. I'm frustrated because I just want him. I mean, the hole in my house is this big, but the damage was bigger than what I could see. And so he fixed this whole section of my roof. He replaced all those shingles. And then he said something profound. Uh, Bishop Graves, uh, Lady Cheney, he said something profound. He says, don't fix the hole on the inside until you get a real good rain. Because even though I'm pretty sure I got it, we got to go through a rain to test whether or not it's going to leak again. See, so many times, saints of God, when we go through things, we're busy trying to fix what people can see. As opposed to saying, God, go ahead and let it rain so I can test your hand. Okay, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Oh, you know, come on, let's do this and let's, let's fix this up in the church. And I know all of these churches who are trying to do all of these things. And we got all of these accoutrements, but we still haven't plugged the leak. 
And so you keep wondering, why do I keep having to replace the same thing? Why do I keep having to patch the same hole in the same person, in the same leader, in the same heart, in the same marriage, in the same man? Why do I keep having to patch? Why do I keep having to preach the same thing? I tell you why we keep having to patch the same things. It's because we haven't fixed the leak. We haven't fixed the leak. So I would I say to you this. There's an anointing on this house because you have persisted. I actually come to encourage y'all today on these eight, eight years. I looked up uh, a little statistic here. Can I, can I tell you something? In the decade ending 2020, there were between 3,850 and 7,700 churches closing every year. In the decade ending 2020, there were somewhere between 3,850 and 7,700 churches closing every year. And guess what? You were not one of them. See, y'all miss all the good moments. Yeah, I, I, let's do it again. In the decade ending, see y'all, y'all, see people who know me, did you hear me? People who know me know I will praise God all by myself. I really will. I, I don't need no help at all. Trust me. I said in the decade ending, Bishop Graves, 2020, 3,850 and 7,700 churches were closing per year. And you were not one of them. Uh-huh. Yeah, you didn't close. I know, I know there were some nights that you said, I should give this up, but you had uh, the spirit, the posture of persistence. I know, I've been on the phone with your bishop, and he's like, I just don't know about this. I, and, and, and even there was a moment, there was a moment, there was a moment before I consecrated him. There was a moment where he was like, look, I, 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 you, you might as well not do it, because I'm not going to be pastoring, and how in the world you going to consecrate somebody that ain't got no church? And I told him, listen, you got to understand something about me. God told me me to consecrate you he didn't tell me to consecrate a successful you he didn't tell me to consecrate you once you had this consecrate him once he had that consecrate him once he was at a thousand consecrate him if he drove this consecrate him if he were I don't care nothing about that because God looks at the heart he don't look at man like everybody else do this new modern church you got to drive a certain way you got to film yourself walking in the church I don't care nothing about that to know that when trouble hits your life, can you continue to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I don't care where your church is. I want to know, do you know God? And Rock Church, I came to celebrate eight years of persistence. Persistence. They was closing, you was remaining. You, they was like, we ain't going to make it. You was like, let's do another Sunday. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. Now, 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 Sunday by Sunday. Sometimes you got to go minute by minute. <laughs> Sometimes you got to. I remember. I remember. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be in Luke in a second. Don't put it up on the screen. I ain't there yet. Hold on. Just trust me. We're going to get to somewhere. I remember telling my spiritual father. When things got hard for me, I said, I just, ooh, I got more bills than offering. Because I've been there. Huh? We started our church in 2003. And we started in a Y. And I, I didn't have no endowment. I didn't have no sponsoring organization. I don't understand none of that stuff. I didn't have no people. I didn't have no money. I didn't have no building. I didn't have no nothing. Do y'all hear me? And I, tell, I was telling my spiritual father, I said, I got more bills than I got money. And, and we got a problem. He said, here's your problem. Here's your problem. You keep stressing out over one offering. I said, I said, excuse me? He said, you see one offering come in and you already have told God what he can't do by the end of the month. He said, now you tell me. I running. You tell me where God has ever let you down. I said, God, you ain't never let me down. Because God has an amazing way of coming through by the time you need it. See, your problem is you want God to come through at the moment that you're comfortable. But God's like, I ain't got to come through when you're comfortable. I come through, I make a way. And as a matter of fact, sometimes God got to wait until there's no way. 
Because when you saw a way, if he would have done it then, you wouldn't have praised him as much. Okay, we're going to get somewhere, Rock Church. He said, but when there's no way, and when you know it had to be God, and when there was nobody in the church that could have done it, and God was a very present help in the time of trouble, then your praise means something. Then you can shout with the voice of triumph. Then you can cry aloud and spare not and lift up your voice like a trumpet. Now, I'm trying. It is poor stewardship to ignore adversity. I know, I know. I got, I, I got scholars in the room. Y'all going to think I, he just wants to shout. No, 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 no. Y'all hold on. I'm going somewhere. I, I needed my runway. I, see, y'all, y'all, y'all got to understand. Y'all, have y'all seen the new Top Gun? You've seen the new Top Gun? It's a fantastic movie. But let me tell y'all something. There's something in the new Top Gun that is so brilliant. They said, hold on. Before we run our mission, we got to go ahead and bomb the enemy runway. So all I'm doing right now is I'm bombing the runway of your doubts so that when I run the mission of the text, y'all can't get none of your doubt, fear, and disbelief in the air because I've grounded all of it. <laughs> now, now, it is poor stewardship to ignore adversity. Excuse me? What is adversity? Adversity is a state or instance of serious or continued difficulty. A state, hear me, or instance. Wait, wait. A state or instance of, watch this, serious or continued difficulty. Now watch this. Listen to, my, listen to this revelation. The instance can become a state when you don't remain in the posture of persistence. Remember, adversity, go back. A state or instance. A state, which means adversity can be a one hit. But also adversity can be a, a whole sustained issue, that's state. But watch this, the instance becomes a state when you don't rest in the posture of persistence. Watch this, one Sunday can become the entire life of ministry if you don't learn the posture of persistence. So, so watch this, if one Sunday can change the entire trajectory of my ministry. That's true, good or bad. Y'all missed it. So that means that one deposit can transform this church forever, for better or for worse. So what we have to do is we have to stay in the for better posture so that come what may. Okay, see, 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 y'all not talking to somebody who ain't who hasn't been through nothing. Y'all, y'all understand. I done been put out of more buildings than some pastors will ever have in their life. I was in the middle of prayer. Y'all hear me? I was in prayer. Folks was all down on the ground. The few folk we had laying on the ground, calling on the name of the Lord. When the postman came up with a certified letter, said y'all got to get out of here by the end of the week. I done been there. Y'all hear what I'm saying? I done been, I done been called by the city and said, we don't know what you're gonna do, but the building you in is being condemned. You got to get out of there do y'all hear me and I'm so grateful that you ain't never bounced a check I have y'all you see yeah I'm so great I'm grateful for you and see the reason I can preach so hard is because I've been through some things I remember waking up one morning and looking at the church account and it was $2,500 in the red and I passed out on the floor do y'all hear me see y'all I, I did. I looked at the account and literally passed out. And it was my wife. Thank you, Lord. She was like, you can't let this affect you like that. And I got up and got myself together. And I've been putting one foot in front of this other ever since. You got to hear me when I say there's a posture that you got to stay in. There's a posture that you got to say, come what may. It's all good. As a matter of fact, here's what I've Here's what I've also learned. Watch this. The more profound the building, the greater its ability to sway during storms. I said the more profound the building, the greater its ability to sway during the storm. A one-story building don't move in the rain, but a hundred-story one sways all over the place. It would seem as if the hundred-story building is unstable. No, 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 no. The hundred-story building is built for its altitude. Whoa! That one-story building ain't got to be built for nothing. Wind coming, it just go. I'm only one story. 
I didn't got that. But that hundred story, they say, listen, up here where I sit, there's some weathered old patterns that the people down there don't experience. I am helping y'all. Do you understand, Bishop, that there are some weather patterns in your seat that your congregation don't have to experience? Do you understand, Lady Cheney, there's some weather patterns in your seat that the congregation don't experience? And let me give you one more revelation about that. Watch. The weather can be different at every floor of a building. Somebody just missed that. <laughs> Somebody just missed that. I, I, I went to Gatlinburg one time and my wife uh, made the grave mistake of putting me up in the eyebrows of the Lord. I mean, we, we were too high. I said, don't ever put me up here. I'm in God's hairline. This is ridiculous how high we are. The, 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 the roads stopped being paved. This is not God. I'm not supposed to be up here because I do not have wings. Don't bring me up here no more. And something weird happened. On the second night we were there, we were upstairs. And I said, oh, it's raining. And my kids yelled from downstairs. They said, it's not raining down here. I said, wait, 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 excuse me. I said, no, 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 it's raining. I'm looking at the rain. They said, but that is not raining downstairs. We were so high that there was a cloud that cut through the building. And so the weather upstairs was different from the weather downstairs. This is why some people are on the outside looking in telling you what you should and shouldn't do, what you can and cannot do. But you got to understand that I'm navigating a weather system that don't even exist in your environment. So don't tell me what I can and can't do, what I can and cannot see. You talking about how beautiful it is. I'm navigating this whole thing through a storm that ain't even on your floor yet. And you better let me alone and let me pray to make sure that the storm that I'm going through don't hit the lower levels. I said I needed a runway. Trust me, I'm going somewhere. Trust me. Y'all, it's going to all come together in a minute. It's going to all come together. Now, let me be clear with adversity. Let me be clear. The gates of hell will not prevail. Y'all didn't hear me. I said, let me be clear. The gates of hell will not prevail. No, no, no. Do you see all of this that's going on in the world? Gates of hell will not prevail. You notice the government don't care nothing about that. Gates of hell will not prevail. Do you notice what they're doing in school? The gates of hell will not prevail. See, that's the posture of persistence. See, persistence is firm or obstinate. I love you. Obstinate continuance. Firm or obstinate continuous continuance in a course of action. In other words, I got an attitude with my posture. Bet you I won't. See, y'all, this is why I love the babies. I love the baby. Have you ever seen one of them babies have a tantrum in the store? No? I'm talking about when you're walking with them and they decide they're not walking no more. And they just sit down right there in the middle of the aisle. You can yell all you want to. I seen one the other day at the park. Mama was dragging, and she just, bam, right there on the floor. And the mama got to yelling and screaming, and the baby just looked at her like, what you going to do? I don't want to move. You know what that was? That was firm or obstinate. That was continuance. I'm obstinate, right? What you going to do, drag me? And we got to be that way with the word of the Lord. But here's the problem. Many of us don't know what we're entitled to, so you cannot be steadfast in it. I said, many of us don't know what we're entitled to. Watch. I told you I'm setting you up. So you cannot be entitled to it. See, the reason you're worried is because you have more faith in what scares you than you do in the power you have over it. How in the world? I told the congregation Wednesday. I wasn't even supposed to teach. I got to my father's church. He said, you're up tonight. I said, okay. And, and I told the congregation. I said this. How in the world are we worried about money? As a church, especially in America, oh, I'm going to help us. When America disconnected itself from the real source of wealth in the earth anyway. Somebody missed it. Y'all need a history lesson. Okay. Okay, there's something called the gold standard. Are y'all with me? It's called the gold standard. The gold standard says that for every dollar in circulation, there's a dollar of gold. Okay. The United States said, we, you know, this pesky capitalism thing, we want to spend what we want to spend and we want to do what we got to do. So they took us off the gold standard, which means now that we have more paper in circulation than we have gold to back it up. 
okay? So if, if the silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord, that means that the United States wealth is no longer based upon the standard of what God controls, but it is now based upon the standard of its own power. That should have told the church right then, let me go ahead and get off this bandwagon and stay connected to the things of God. So why in the world would I be worried about a resource that is really, watch this, disconnected from safety? I'm not. I'm only trusting in God who owns the true wealth. Are y'all with me here? This paper money don't mean nothing. Y'all know what money is? My own natural energy yield. M-O-N-E-Y. My own natural energy yield. Money is the return on the investment of your own energy. And the reason that some of us are stressed about it because you know you lazy. And you have no, watch this, energy output. Therefore, you can have no yield coming back. Okay. But if I know I've done what God told me to do. I don't have to stress out over what I'm going to yield because I know the posture is in alignment with God. So God, whether or not you do it today, tomorrow, or next year, there is a return on my investment. Y'all need Bible. As long as the earth remains, there will always be seed time and harvest. So this brings me to my text. I know y'all thought I forgot. I didn't. Y'all ready? Luke chapter 18. Luke, I had to say posture. Now, in Luke chapter 18, something gets really interesting. because I, and, and I think uh, Bishop Graves, uh, I think Bishop Graves, that this is one of the texts that we mess up a lot because we want to make it about something that it's not. In Luke chapter 18, it says, now he was telling them a parable. This is verse 1. To show them, to show at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Y'all see that? He's telling them a parable to show that at all times, I did say persistence, right? At all times, how often are we supposed to do this? At all times you should pray and not lose heart. That word lose heart means to lose one's motivation. I'm going to pray and not lose my motivation. You know, the, you know the, the, the best thing that you can do to your opponent? Take their heart. Yeah, yeah. This, we used to do it all the time. See, see I, I went to one of those schools. I went to one of those schools where people didn't come to see the band. I mean, come to see the, the game. They came to see the band. I, I went to one of those, you know, like, like HBCU type school. I went to one of those. We was dance breaking on top 40s. You know what I'm saying? And so so the drum line, mm-hmm, what the drum line would do is we would battle the other drum line and we would tell them in advance what we was going to do to them. We would be in the stands letting them know, y'all going to take an L. I'm telling you, the entire band, we'd be throwing up L. Oh, it would be terrible. Oh, we were awful. We would tell them in advance, you have no chance. You have no chance. And literally, in the middle of the game, we knew we was going to battle after the game. All game, we would just do little things and let them know that they was out of their league. All game, it would be terrible. I mean terrible. If you've ever seen the movie Drumline, do y'all remember when the trumpets, they all got up and they played Flight of the Bumblebee? I mean, just real quick, that what they were saying is, look, this ain't what you want. We gonna fly to the bumblebee on y'all. <laughs> you ain't ready for this smoke. We used to do it all the time. And so by the time the battle actually came, they had already lost heart. Now watch this. How in the world have we allowed, watch this, as the church, the devil to take our heart? He says, here's what I need to teach y'all. Always pray, Rock Church, and do not lose heart. Now look, look at the situation, verse 2, saying in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. Really? In a certain city there's a judge. What do we know about this judge? He don't fear God and he don't respect man. Now this is an important undergirding of this text. In verse 3, there was a widow in the city and she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. Stop. There's a judge. He doesn't fear God. He doesn't fear man. The next verse says, there's a widow. 
coming to the judge who doesn't fear God and doesn't fear man, and the widow is saying, give me legal protection. Now, in order to really understand this brevity, you have to understand that, that according to the ancient church and ancient laws, watch this, even if you read the book of Deuteronomy and go back to the Old Testament, what you will find is that widows were entitled to a different type of protection, not only from the church, but also from the state. When somebody was a, was a widow, they had lost their ability to do anything because they had no husband. And actually, because the scripture is telling us that she's a widow, that means that she also had no son. She had nobody that was able to work. She had no, watch this, her husband had no brother. Because according to the law, if the husband had a brother, if, the, if, if, if he died, the brother would take the wife. Oh, y'all, y'all know. So this woman's in a bad place, right? The husband has no brother. She has no working age son. We don't know if the sons are too small because we do know that there are instances where the sons are too small to work and they're not old enough to take a wife. And we see this in the Old Testament with the prophet where me and my son are going to make a little cake and die. Same instance. Are y'all walking with me? And But watch this. According to the law of God and the law of the state, widows were supposed to be taken care of. Y'all still ain't caught it. Go back to verse 2. Look at verse 2 again. Oh, In a certain city, there was a judge who didn't fear God. Oh, come on. This is important. And didn't respect man. So there's a law on the books of God and on the books of the state that this widow is supposed to be taken care of. But the judge don't care. Come on now. The judge don't care because I don't respect God. I don't respect man. So I don't care nothing about the law on the books. Come on now. Because some of us are going through some things and you need some things from God. And you actually are allowing the enemy to, 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 to lie to you as if God's rule can be overthrown by people. Because huh. I got a judge here who don't care nothing about God and don't care nothing about man. But there's a widow. Watch it. And the widow, it says in verse 3, the widow in the city Kept come, say, keep coming. She kept coming to him saying, give me, not can I, give it to me. It sounds so brazen, give it to me. Not can you please, not can I make an appointment. No, 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 give it to me. And it gets good because the judge is not a believer and it don't matter. Oh, y'all missed it. I said the judge is not a believer and it doesn't matter. You know why? Because what matters is what you believe, not what your opponent believes. She's a widow. According to the law, she's entitled. So I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. Oh. Give me what's mine. I'm, I'm not, I don't need an appointment. This, I don't have, give this to me. It's mine. It belongs to me. I'm, so how in the world are you letting sickness tell you how to feel? Healing belongs to me. It's the children's bread. So I'm not going to let sickness, which don't belong to me, it's a foreign adversary. I can't let sickness tell me how to feel. I'm going to come in and tell healing that it's mine. And I don't care who says I have to be sick. You don't have to respect God or man. What, what I have to know is what I'm entitled to. You know, you know, in, in Cleveland, unless you this or that, your church ain't going to grow. I don't care what you think. You don't have to respect God or man, but what I have to know, what you have to know, Rock Church, is what you're entitled to. And see, there is the posture of persistence. I don't care what you keep saying to me, devil. I'm entitled to something different. The Bible says I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. I shall lend to many nations and shall not borrow. I am blessed in the city. I am blessed in the field. I am blessed going out. I am blessed going in. And let me give y'all revelation. All of what I just quoted is before Jesus. Wait a minute. 
if I lend to many nations before Jesus gets here, how much more can I do with the Holy Ghost? He said that in the Old Testament, before I'm a new creation, when they had to sacrifice bulls and goats. So you mean to tell me that the Old Testament believer, through the sacrifice, sacrificial system of the temple, could go literally say, I'm sorry, once a year with no Holy Ghost and still be blessed in the city? And still be blessed in the field? And we walking around talking about I'm saved, sanctified, full of the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. And you don't think you're blessed? I challenge y'all to get back in the right posture. Lord, my bad. My posture been off. I need an adjustment. Oh, y'all. And see, what happens is, Lady Cheney, we don't want to subject ourselves to adjustment. You need a chiropractor. You don't want to subject yourself to adjustment. I just started going to the chiropractor not too long ago. And it was funny, after my first consultation, he says, um, Mr. Lyons, I've seen the following things that are out of alignment in your structure. And then he asked me an important question. He says, do you mind if I adjust you? Because, watch this, even though I see where you're out, if you don't give me permission, I can't fix it. And God is like, look, you entitled to a bunch of stuff. And I keep trying to put you into alignment with my word. And every time you pray and every time you worship, I say, can I align you? And you like, I like my worship just like this. This is why, Rock Church, you had to go through this moment. This is a div divine alignment. This is God putting your structure back where it needs to be. Don't worry. You're going to be more stable now than you ever were. Don't worry about who's not here. Just go ahead and get your structure right. Go ahead and get aligned. Let God put you where he needs to be because I figured out something. I figured out something. He said, he said, you got three areas that I need to work on. I said, okay. He said, your shoulders are rounding because you don't sit with good posture. I'll fix that. He said, I see something in your back. Watch this. You have a vertebrae that is off that's affecting your digestion. He said, because you can't properly digest when you're out of alignment. You mean to tell me that when I'm crooked, I can't even properly eliminate waste. No wonder I stay sad. Well, okay, y'all keep looking at me. No wonder I'm always crying. No wonder I'm always depressed. Because watch this, when my system is functioning the way it should, and, and trouble comes, it should not stay within me. It should pass through me. You never see Jesus going through the way that we go through. And if he's my example, Put me in that alignment. And so this woman, this judge keeps saying, nope, nope, and she keep coming. I'm entitled to something. It's mine. Give me what's mine. I'm a widow. I didn't ask to be a widow, and I am a widow. But according to the laws of God and man, you, sir, have to give me what I ask you for. And she keeps coming. Now look at verse 4. For a while. For a while, he was unwilling. But afterward, he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, verse 5, yet because this widow bothers me, I love it. This widow bothers me. I'm going to give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. He's like, I got to give her what she wants. Because clearly I have figured out that she has a posture of persistence. <laughs> I got I got to. I got to. I got to. Y'all got to understand this. Y'all the, the, the judge don't believe God. The judge don't believe in the law of man. You know what you see operating here? A law. It's called the law of persistence. Keep coming. Keep coming. She was like, I'm back. Same widow. Same request. No. Cool. I'm back. Same widow. Same request. No. No problem. I'm back. 
he finally he was like look this woman is not gonna give up and you know why many of us are not seeing what we need from God because you don't have a posture of persistence one note and you posted all over Facebook gave up just one little roadblock in the road he was like it ain't never gonna happen you went to one car dealership and they told you you couldn't get a car and you told the whole world you never drive another day in your life you had one little no and you said my church is never gonna grow no 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 let me tell you growth is gonna hit this house but it couldn't hit this house when you when you were out of alignment I speak to the rock church that you have been under the care of a divine chiropractor and that God is about to release this place to be able to maintain the structures of a tall building before your foundations weren't deep enough and if the storm would have come when you built what you could see in the spirit it would have knocked you over but God is about to give you a new structure God is about to give you a new foundation. But they keep telling me no. They keep telling me no. Keep coming. Keep coming. Hello, it's me again, God. It's me again. I'm entitled. Excuse me, I'm entitled to some things. Excuse me, I'm entitled. I'm not, I'm not asking you nothing other than what's mine. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want nothing. I'm not, 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 I, I got to, I got to, oh, I got to say it. I got to say it because this woman is getting something from a judge who don't know God. And see, we always want to make this text about the judge who don't know God. Then you want to make the text about the woman who was persistent. Watch this. Persistence wasn't abnormal for her. So this ain't about her. That's like making the text about somebody who walked. We supposed to walk. Oh, y'all missed it. The fact that persistence is odd in 2022 tells us that we haven't been teaching people how to live the Christian way. We're supposed... I'm so, why in the world? One little thing happened. The other day, they came on TV and said, interest rates going to go up. I, Christians all over the world. Oh, God. My whole thing is, okay, interest rate go up. I get to see God move at 10%. Go up to 12%. Man, God, rock it out at 12%. You want to go to 15% Fed and just be stupid? Cool, God, I'm about to see you operate at 15%. Because the same God that operates at 3% can operate at When I was in undergrad, when I was in undergrad, when I was in undergrad, <sighs> Bishop Graves, they told me that there's no way in the world that the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. So there's no way. Archaeologically, it was impossible. It was archaeologically impossible for the children of Israel to cross the Red Sea because, first of all, from an archaeological perspective, they don't think as if they were there. They don't think that they were around it. But they, then they said, but it's more likely that they actually crossed the Reed Sea. Watch it. The Reed Sea and that it was a translator's error to move it from Reed to Red. But they crossed, so it was a translator's error and, 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 and it, it makes more sense for them to cross the Reed Sea because the Reed Sea is so shallow that it is prone to looking like it divides because of the winds in the particular valley. And the professor is saying that as if my faith was going to be shaken. But I'm going to show y'all what the posture of persistence does. I said, excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me, Miss Professor. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. She said, yeah, yeah, Robert. I said, so you telling me that the Reed Sea, which is about three feet deep, has a, has a, a tendency to part during the wind? She said, yeah. And, and you told me, just so I'm clear, that the Reed Sea is probably where they were. She said, yeah. I said, that's what you want to say to me. She said, yeah. I said, isn't that more of a miracle? She said, what do you mean? I said, because that means that God drowned an entire army, horses and chariots, in three feet of water. And she looked at me. See, because when the enemy wants to take your faith, you got to counter with persistence. I don't care whether or not it was read or read. They drowned. 
I don't care whether or not you do it at 2% or 22%. God can do it. I don't care whether or not people getting filled with the Holy Ghost in the cathedral or in the Alpha House. God can do it. I don't care whether or not people are getting saved on the street or in XYZ Church. God can do it. I don't care whether or not you are getting people filled with the Holy Ghost on the basketball court or in this place. God can do it. keeps bothering me. Verse 6, almost done, almost out of time. The Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. He's about to tell us what the text is about, Grace. Now, if the unrighteous judge would do it, look at verse 7. Now will not God, uh-oh, now will not God bring about justice for his elect? Who cry to him day and night. And will he delay long over them? Wait, 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 wait. He said, now, if the unrighteous judge going to answer a widow, how you think I'm going to answer you? Watch this. You know what God was really trying to show us? He's not the unrighteous judge. will respond to the rights of a widow. How much more then will the righteous judge respond to the rights of his children? When I read that, right, when I read that, I repented. I went, my bad, God. See, I know some of y'all repent in King James, fathereth. I'm sorryeth for everything. That's not the way I repent. My bad, God. My bad, because, you know, my bad, God. I've been, I'm in my bad. I've been, I've been missing. I've been sitting up there asking you, watch this, asking you to get me out of something. Watch this, when my rights say, I don't even have to be in it to begin with. Y'all, I'm literally allowing my circumstance to hold me without just cause. Many of us are incarcerated without just cause and complain to God to pay bail. And God is responding to the rock church today. You don't need me to bail you out. You just need to go ahead and get what belongs to you. God, give us this. He was like, why are you asking me for something? Y'all, the widow, give me legal protection. That was, she wasn't being obstinate. She wasn't being rude. Give me legal protection because it belongs to me. Okay, okay. I'm going to give y'all these points, but I need to tell y'all one thing. So I'm going to close the Bible. I'm going to close it. Put verse 8 up. Put verse 8 up. Because y'all, I know y'all going to get sick of me. It's just all right. Okay. I tell you that he will bring about justice for them when? However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I love the fact that this ends with a question. He'll do it, but can he find this type of faith in us? He's like, look, all of this is entitled to it. But the problem is not that you can't get God to move. The problem is he can't get us to be faithful. So many churches I go to and all they want to highlight is the struggle. And we highlight struggle because we don't know rights. I came to release you into your rights, Rock Church. I came to release you into your rights. My bad, God. I'm about to walk in my rights. Huh? It's like we want every right but the right that comes from being born again. There's a text where Jesus heals a woman. And all the rabbis were like, can't believe you healed her. She's, her life a little, you know what I'm saying. And Jesus responded like this. Ought this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, be healed? From her plague. Y'all. He says I can't believe that y'all questioning me. 
healing someone the way I did and who I did. But overlooking the fact that her mere heritage gives her the right to the healer. She's a daughter of Abraham. I got a healer. Oh, y'all. And if ye be Christ, Galatians, you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Well, what promise? He says, well, in, in Genesis 12, he says, so shall your seed be. Remember when he told him, leave, the, leave your country and your kindred and go to a place that I will show you. I'll make your name great. I'll bless those that bless you. I'll curse those that curse you. And in you all the earth shall be blessed. That's a promise, right? And so when this woman came to Jesus and she's trying to get something from him, he has to give it to her because there's a promise tied. She's like, I just came to get what I needed. And you know who that woman was? The woman with the issue. The woman with the issue of blood. Y'all, okay. Here's a woman with an issue of blood who comes to Jesus in a crowd. She's the only one who understands her rights. Y'all missed it. I said she's the only one that understood her rights. How do you know she's the only one that understood her rights? Because when she touches Jesus, he says, who touched me? And his own disciples was like, everybody. You're literally being touched by the entire crowd. He was like, no, 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 no. Somebody extracted something from me who knew their rights. I'm in a crowd of people who is touching the same thing she's touching who don't know what their rights are by touching me. So they can't get from me. See, watch this. Nowhere in the text does it tell us that she's the only sick woman in the crowd. She was just the only sick woman who knew her rights. I'm sorry, I'm there. <laughs> and you sit up there, you can be in a room and nobody getting what they, get, what they can get from God. You just got to know your rights. See, there is, a, there is a real burden. There's a spirit of burden that rests in Cleveland. This whole area, as I get close to Cleveland, it's a spirit of burden. As soon as you pass through Columbus, Columbus has a different spirit. You pass through Columbus, and the closer you get to Cleveland, the more a depressive spirit comes. It's a depressive spirit. It's a burden spirit. It's a crab in the barrel spirit. It's a have and have not. Think about this. There is the presence of great wealth and great poverty side by side here. And in the presence of the juxtaposition of poverty and wealth, there's also the pastors who can't get along. Oh, I'm teaching. And what's happening now is that God is about to walk through by his spirit the crowd in Cleveland. And the ones who will be able to extract from him are the ones who know their rights. Revive. Everybody keeps talking about revival. And I declare that revival is literally, she's fine, about to hit this community. But it's not going to hit the way y'all think. It's going to hit by Jesus going on a walk. <laughs> and as he goes through the walk of the crowd named Cleveland, the people who, watch this, manifest revival, are not the ones who touch him. They're the ones who can extract from him. And extraction demands that you know your rights. Three things, Bible's closed. Persistence begins with the knowledge of our rights. Persistence begins with the knowledge of, if you don't know what you got rights to, you can't make an extraction. <laughs> you, can't. you can't. You can't extract. It's like going to the bank and not knowing your balance. Did y'all just catch that? You go to the bank, you go to the teller, uh, I think I got something in there. I'm not sure how much is in there. Um, maybe you can tell me what my balance is first. Oh, watch this. And some of us are so bad. Can you tell me the last three checks that, that cleared? see. <laughs> What's my balance? What's the last three checks that cleared? Because I haven't been keeping track of my withdrawals. Persistence begins with the knowledge of one's rights. Number two, 
Persistence demands an inner fortitude. In order for you to be persistent, got to be something in you. You can't, you can't be governed by what you see. See, when I come into the Rock Church, I don't care nothing about what I see. I don't care. I've worshipped in workout rooms, pool halls, Starbucks, Panera Bread, movie theaters, top floors of businesses, banks. Huh? I have been in all these buildings. I've been flooded, kicked out, pushed out, demanded out. So I don't care nothing about this. The just shall live by faith. So Rock Church, you know what I see as you guys are going into your ninth year? Fruit. Not fruits. The Bible doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit are. It says the fruit of the Spirit is. You're about to go into your fruitful season. Now, don't get out from under the hand of your chiropractor. I had to learn that after my first visit. He adjusted me. We got all the way down. He was like, okay, see you in two weeks. He's like, you just adjusted me. He says, I have to maintain your adjustment. He said, you're going to keep reading. You're going to keep looking at that screen. You're going to keep doing all the things that got you out of alignment. So I got to maintain your adjustment. But what we do, especially now, get so egotistical that we won't submit to the adjuster. Number three. Inner fortitude demands inner power. You got to have the Holy Spirit within you. Smarts ain't gonna do it in this season. There's a lot of smart people who gonna miss the touch. Huh? They gonna miss it. Because all they think they're entitled to is what they've earned by their own effort. See, there's a difference. So you went through this whole thing of, you got entitlement, you got entitlement. You, and, the, and watch this. And even there are many of us that got upset over what we called entitlement. I know, this is going to hurt a little bit. You, I, you act real entitled. Do you ever notice that the people who understand the level of entitlement they have seem to get stuff? We just get mad. Because we don't know what we're entitled to. So... We rebuke the entitled and never learn our entitlement. Going around acting entitled. Well, wait a minute. There's something to that. Their posture, their walk, how they go into a place is because they know what their rights are. Huh? I'll give it to you one other way and I'm going to pray. Rock Church, believers, those that are visiting, those that are friends. You have a pre-approval for the will of God over your life. That blessed me. Y'all ain't never had a pre-approval letter. <laughs> I said, you have a pre-approval for the will of God over your life. Y'all don't understand how good that is. Huh? I got pre remember I told you I got a car, right? I had a pre-approval. Had a pre-approval. They 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 said you're pre-approved. And it's so there's no stress shopping with pre-approval. I was pre-approved. So watch this. I wasn't picking something and then hoping that I was approved for it. I was pre-approved for what I picked. I shopped based upon my pre-approval. Yeah. I was just going through like, maybe that one. Maybe that one. I don't like those features. Let me find some more features. I think I want navigation. I don't know about navigation. Oh, let's do it that one. It was no stress. You sit up there worried because you ain't understanding. You got a pre-approval letter. I got a pre-approval letter of joy. I'm pre-approved for peace. I'm pre-approved for power. I'm pre-approved for provision. That's my posture of persistence. I'm pre-approved. I'm pre-approved. 
So I'm good. So when you understand you're pre-approved, you wake up tomorrow and go, all right, let's go ahead and get this piece on. Because I was pre-approved. And not just pre-approved yesterday, I was pre-approved on Calvary. I'm going to pray for you. And as I pray, if there's anybody in the room that's not saved, this is your moment. I need to give my life to Jesus. If there's anybody that's like, you know, I need that inner fortitude. You figure out like, man, I need the Holy Spirit in my life. This is your moment. Because I think, Bishop Graves, that we've made the filling of the Holy Spirit too spooky. It wasn't spooky in the, in the scripture. It said, you want to be filled? Come here, done. It was just real simple. And the reason you got to make it spooky is we try to cover up our lack of anointing with charisma. <laughs> it's not spooky. None of this. So I'm going to pray. And I also feel led, if it's okay, Bishop Graves, to pray if there's anybody that is sick in the room. And that's, that don't have to be spooky either. You're sick, you can be healed. You pre-approved. I can't. You, you pre-approved. So if there's anybody, yeah, this is not hard. You not hard. See, here's, here, let, me, let me help you. It ain't even got nothing to do with me. I'm just, I'm shopping with you on your pre-approval letter. Y'all. It's like when my mother-in-law said, hey, son, can you come with me? I'm going to buy a new car. And I'm shopping with her. My job was just to go get what she wanted. Y'all missed it. I knew what she was approved for. It was the greatest experience ever. So when, watch this, when you enter into agreement with your pastor, with Lady Graves, with any of the leaders here on healing or, or freedom or whatever, it ain't got nothing to do with them. All they trying to do is help you shop for your pre-approval. We don't get a lot of stuff we want because we don't like the personality of the person that is inviting us to get what we're entitled to. All right, I'm going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, woo, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I honor you. Lord, if there's anybody in here that's not saved, touch them. Anybody not filled, give them courage. Any sick among us, Lord, we touch that. Even the long-standing sickness, God, we walk them into their pre-approved healing, their pre-approved peace, their pre-approved assurance, and we stay in the posture of persistence. Lord, I release to this rock church signs, wonders, and miracles. I release to this rock church fruit that abounds. I release to this rock church, God, superabundance, overflow, that God they will no longer have to struggle to do vision. Let more than enough not just be a moment, but God, I release more than enough from this day forward and even forevermore. And not just for God, the leaders of this church, the pastors, God, let it hit every house. The drop job struggles are over. Health struggles over. Marriage struggles over. Parenting struggles over. I thank you. And I give you praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bishop Graves, let me say something to you. When, when God spoke to the men of old, you would see language in the Old Testament where it would say things like Abraham and his household. 
The household of Abraham was not just his kids and his wife. The household of Abraham was everybody he was responsible for. So when the Old Testament says, and his household, it meant like everybody who was connected, every servant, everybody. So I say this to you, Bishop Graves. To Bishop Graves and your household, stress will no longer be your portion. God is about to give you a renewed and supernatural discipline. Now your pattern's got to change, but stress is about to leave. Your entire household is about to operate in the newness of life. There is a new pedagogy coming upon your life. The pedagogy of the new creation is about to release this place into the things which eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. As it hits your household, your congregation will see that it is true. Your son and your daughter. Freedom is going to come upon them like never before. They will be filled and work before your eyes. You won't have to ask. Whoop! God is about to surround you with the proactive. He's strengthening your sight. No more reactive ministry. No more reactive ministry. No more felt need ministry. God is giving you proactive vision for this community. And the Rock Church, beginning with the Graves household, is about to be a light in dark places. In Jesus' name. And amen. God bless you, Robert.